0: As doctors, we all know the complaints about big pharmaceuticals' influence and questionable tactics. How about some solutions? Stay tuned as we explore more productive ways pharma can actually let docs know about their products. You are listening to XM 233 the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskel. Joining me today is Kathleen Slattery-Moscow, writer, director, award-winning filmmaker, and former drug sales rep. Kathleen has made three films about pharmaceutical influence and its effects. Welcome to the show, Kathleen.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Kathleen, what's the problem out there? What are doctors facing and uh, do you have any solutions uh, up your sleeve?
1: Well, you know, initially I was going to say doctors are getting the one-two punch because not only are they getting called on by an army of ninety to 100,000 pharmaceutical sales reps out there pounding on their doors, and they're also getting bombarded by their patients who are seeing these beautiful drug ads on television, these beautiful, very effective drug ads on television. So their patients are coming in, oftentimes, you know, not only just asking for the drugs, but oftentimes demanding them. So that's a one-two punch right there, but it becomes even more complicated because now you have pharma funding the vast majority of the studies out there and that's creating a conflict of interest in terms of the kinds of information that's out there. You have pharma having a direct financial relationship with the FDA. You have the pharma lobbying group uh, which is one of the largest lobbying groups on Capitol Hill. So the problem is so multi-layered that I know a lot of times as we've been screening the films throughout the country to the different medical schools and to the medical community, so many times the question becomes, well, where can we go <laughs> to get objective information about these drugs? Uh, because, you know, obviously the reps are not a, a good source of objective information because their livelihood is dependent on them just selling more pills, not educating us. And, uh, you know, if the research is skewed and and there's so many other thing, factors at play here, where can we go? And I think one of the most important important things that uh, practitioners can do is educate themselves on this so that they understand how the influences at work um, on all these different levels. But there's also some really interesting things going on out there in terms of there's a a group out of Oregon called the Drug Effectiveness Review Project, and it's an independent group with no financial ties to the pharmaceutical industry that is uh, evaluating um, various classes of medication and and coming up with their um, opinion on in class, whether it's the antidepressants or, or other groups, and they're evaluating these drugs for safety and for effectiveness and for, you know, cost effectiveness. So I think, um, you know, turning to groups like the Drug Effectiveness Review Project with uh, and, and seeing what their recommendations are is, is a step in the right direction. I think certainly the medical letter, um, who has really prided itself on, on not taking uh, funding from the pharmaceutical industry, can provide some great information uh, in an objective sort of way. And there's other uh, programs that are going on right now that hopefully uh, will lead to more objective information for physicians like Jerry Avorn's group out of Harvard um, has started a program as well. So I think it's, it's going to be easier in the upcoming years for physicians to have access. To the information they need to make evidence-based decisions about their prescribing. But they're, they need to be fully aware of, of all the factors at play so that they do seek out that information.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about the medical letter. How How have they stayed so immune? I mean, the doctors that are reviewing for them have absolutely no ties to to the Well,
1: you know, they they do not take any pharmaceutical advertising. I can't say that all of the doctors, I mean, I I think you're hard-pressed these days to find uh, um, doctors without financial relationships of some sort uh, to the industry, but they do not take advertising. They do not sell their reprints, which the pharmaceutical industry would love to be buying up their reprints, especially when... um, you know there's a particular uh, publication or that comes out that's favorable to their drug they would love to buy reprints of that to distribute to uh the physicians and they've really tried um to stay uh, removed from some of that, I can't say that every person involved with the writing has absolutely no ties to uh, the medical letter. But I think when you compare it to some of the other journals who take a lot of funding from the industry, it it, it might provide a more objective source for you. And I can't say that I am this you know the expert on this area i'm just trying to provide some sure. options for people to look at different things
0: are there any international societies like could we go to another country's websites that might not be as contaminated as as our country's healthcare system are you aware of anything there
1: you know, it's you know there's certainly things are going on with the World Health Organization has some groups that are looking at uh, pharmaceutical influence and, and that sort of thing, but um, I don't feel like I'm a good resource for recommending something on that level.
0: Let's talk about uh, the No Free Lunch program. Um, who, who started it and how's it going?
1: Well, No Free Lunch is an organization out of Columbia University headed up by um, Bob Goodman. And Bob Goodman is an MD who really felt uncomfortable with the conflict of interest of, you know, reps bringing in all this food day in and day out and really decided he wanted to do something about it. So he started a program called No Free Lunch in which he's encouraging pers- throughout the country to say, no, to say, no, I'm not going to participate in these lunches. I'm not going to participate in these perks. I'm not going to take these gadgets. Um, I am making a stand and I am not going to create that conflict of interest within my own practice. And I think it's so critical. One thing that I think sometimes practitioners don't stop and think about is the fact that Again, there's 90 to 100,000 reps out there, well paid reps with company cars schlepping in breakfast, lunch, and dinner day in and day out, and that is expensive. And when you think about who is ultimately the one really that ends up paying for these lunches, it's the patients in the form of the high cost of prescription medications. If you take away all of those, perks and those lunches and everything else, maybe we could have a more affordable healthcare system. Maybe we could have more affordable drugs. So those doctors who see that relationship in terms of even from just a financial basis, um, I think are trying to do the right thing by medicine. Um, And again, I'm not going to sit here and tell doctors or prescribers never to interact with reps and what to do in their own practices. But I'm trying to raise awareness about all these different things um, that are going on out there and things to consider. And so, I think so many practitioners don't think about who is the one that really ends up paying for these things, and it's, it's the patients.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I am talking today with filmmaker Kathleen Slattery, Moscow, trying to figure out how to improve the uh, marketing and sales tactics of pharmaceutical industry. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the no-free lunch. Um, in my office, uh, there are three physicians, and each day we have a drug lunch, and the average bill is two hundred and fifty dollars. And so if you do that uh, for a year, it comes out to about over $50,000 that's being spent just on my office alone on lunch. And um, there's there's only one good upside to that in that my staff saves a lot of money and that they don't leave the office. And I've toyed with getting rid of lunches altogether because it drives me crazy listening to these reps, but yet it keeps my employees on site. And um, that's important for for production. So that's a tough one. Yeah, and any any comments on that one?
1: Uh, you know, I uh, you know, I, my personal opinion is again, you may not be having to pay for those lunches, but ultimately the patients are so you know, even if you think that, again, I think one of the problems, one of the remaining problems has been that so many physicians who participate in these things think that they're, number one, immune to the messages that are being brought in. And I think, you know, research has shown otherwise, as has my own experience as a rep and most out there, we had the numbers and we could see the the results of our, our efforts of bringing in this food. But again, I think that there does have to be a point where we stop. And think about who is paying for this, and although it makes it convenient for your staff and your practice and and you as individual physicians um, when you think about what's at stake, uh, you know. I, again, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I, I, I want I think you to.
0: You, I want you to. Think, when
1: you think about it at that level, I, I just feel like there's so many things wrong right now with our healthcare system in terms of driving up the cost of healthcare and the cost of prescription drugs, and allowing uh, the pharmaceutical industry to think that this way of doing business is okay. As long as you continue to allow them to come into your practice and do this, you're sending a signal that this is okay. And that that it's okay for, you know, those funds really ultimately for them to continue to jack up the price of these drugs. Um, I, so so I, I'm an those enabler. Would, those would be things that I would just consider um, as you, you know, determine how you're going to move forward with your practice.
0: Kathleen, what other productive ways do you think pharma could uh, start instituting to, to educate us about their products without trying to um, brainwash us with propaganda?
1: Well, I mean, it's a tough one because if you ask me in general if I think there can ever be a situation where pharmaceutical sales reps could be a, a valuable, uh, valuable to physicians, it's hard for me to say yes because anytime you have someone's livelihood and compensation directly tied to moving market share, you're going to – have information, you're, you're going to be setting up a situation where there's conflict of interest, but one step, at least one step in a positive direction, would be to at, at the very least to hire reps who are qualified, who have a science background, who can get into an effective dialogue with a physician, because again, I was a political science major and the vast majority of the reps that are out there are unqualified to really get into any kind kind of really useful dialogue about these drugs all we could do all we can do is spew forth the message that our company told us to say and we rehearse that message i mean i mean it's part of the funny part of side effects you see how these these training sessions work we would rehearse them in unison we would have rehearsed um, you know objection handling exercises where we would learn verbatim what to say with every objection that was brought up if you saw what this looked like behind the scene i it i think it, it's hard press for for a physician to think that they would want to continue to get their information from this resource because, again, all you're really getting is a mouthpiece. You're, you're getting a paid commercial by interacting with the reps in those situations, but at the very least, one step in the right direction would it be to hire qualified people so that if you asked a question outside of that particular bill or a pill or that particular disease state, um, that maybe you could actually get into a good dialogue uh, about these things.
0: Kathleen, it's I, I think it would be a good idea for you to get the side effect, a copy of side effects into every doctor's hands so he could see it. Maybe get the, um, you know, some insurance company who wants to save money on having their doctors not writing the most expensive drugs, have them pay to distribute your movie to every doctor so they see it because I think there are a lot of doctors who are still oblivious. On that note, uh, I'd like to bring the show to a close and thank our guest very much, Kathleen Slattery Moscow. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you have been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.